to all of our folks that are online. God bless you. It is good to have you with us. And we're looking forward to some more good music. My, we've got some coming up next week. And of course, on uh, our Resurrection Musicale, which will be 11 a.m., what the world calls Easter Sunday morning, April the 9th, right here. Great music. Some of it you can even sing along with. And I like that. Amen. We're all for that. Amen and amen and amen. All right. Well, we've got Beast Feast coming up on March the 4th. We've got sign-up boards. Everybody sign up for two or three times as much. We're going to have a huge crowd. We're going to have lots of souls saved and hearts stirred. Oh, we're going to have us a good time. I can't wait for that. So we're getting used to uh, the idea right now of just having an overflow crowd. So just get that in your heart and in your mind and plan on that and let's just fix lots of food and be prepared and be welcoming and let's invite everybody out. We've got flyers. I hope that you'll use them. I promise this morning we have some words from some of our missionaries and as you know, we're raising funds right now to send Bibles around the world to third world Christians and we're just uh, two weeks out from that. We want to break our record and uh, send out thousands and uh, many, many, many Bibles that people will be able to use for the glory of God for many years to come. I have here a prayer sheet from Leon Lucas, builder to the master builder, building God's people and God's uh, property. And uh, great report on their travels up and down the coast, around the country, and things they're going to be doing. And there is a need right now uh, for uh, folks to help uh, our, uh, our own missionaries in Newport, Arkansas, the Beckles, uh, to get their carpet in. So we're going to be praying about that, see how they, how they do on that uh, as far as raising funds and getting the work done. So I'm looking at that right now and seeing what needs to be done. And I know that God's going to meet the need. Amen. I also have a Bible journal uh, prayer letter from the Russian Bible Society with the latest update on Ukraine. And the war is raging on in Ukraine, you know, but the opportunities to reach souls are great. So some of our folks, including the Popchenkos, uh, 350,000 of his New Testaments have been distributed in Ukraine alone. And many souls will be saved because of that. Uh, a lot of good aid has gone out to Ukraine through uh, the Russian Bible Society. Also, um, through uh, Mrs. Gentry and her ministry, they've got people and the folks in Moldova are doing some things. And so praise God for all those that are getting the job done over there in Ukraine. Wonderful, wonderful things that are going on. These are our missionaries. Thank God for them. When I said this morning, not much presidential timber out there, so we need to grow our own. I meant that exactly. We need to raise up some boys and girls, and so you're going to be hearing some announcements about some things we're doing with young people, young adults, and so forth. We're going to be growing our own uh, presidential timber. And someday, somebody from one of our programs is going to be in Congress, and someone's going to be uh, in the Senate, and someone's going to be, uh, someone's going to be uh, you know, uh, serving as governor, someone's going to be... And if we don't get it now, we'll get it, we'll get it in the millennium, amen. But we're going to get it sooner or later. And we want to raise up these young people, many preachers, many evangelists, because you can go out there and look at our missionary wall. The graying of the missions field is taking place even as we speak. You know, <clears throat> uh, there are people getting older right now just uh, and can't do a thing about it except replace them. 
and reproduce. And that's what we're in the business of doing. We need to grow some missionaries, some preachers, some pastors, some evangelists that, that will recognize and, and have as their own our great God and Savior Jesus Christ in a calling from God that's high and holy and heavenly and continue to go on and keep on going and don't quit and uh, be consistent and develop a goodly heritage, a godly legacy. That is it if we want to continue what we've started. Now, some people may say this morning was quite specific. Oh, I didn't even come close to getting specific. And I, I'm careful about what I say. Uh, everything I say, of course, can be supported. But here's what is behind people that are rewriting the Bible and rewriting history. They are not satisfied to submit. They're not satisfied to have it the way it is. And so they make it up as they go. What they will do is they will create bad guys out of, uh, out of thin air. Somebody did them wrong sometime, somewhere, or they claim somebody did, or per perhaps it's a matter of established history that some individual, group of individuals, did some other group of individuals wrong. And if that is the case, then they have automatically, they have automatically poisoned the well and everybody who even vaguely resembles that description is guilty. Well, that's not true. There have been people who have accused me of unfairness and uh, inequality and so forth over the years, and they've been wrong. They've been wrong. They just don't know me, do they? They don't know me. They have no idea. But uh, be careful, and uh, we always want to come off with a sweet spirit and a right attitude when it comes to the matter of treating our brothers and sisters and our fellow humans in a way that Jesus would treat them, we want to be just like Jesus would be. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. I'll, I hope tonight you're on the same page with me. We're going to take our Bibles and uh, we are going to turn in the Old Testament to 2 Kings, 2 Kings and chapter number 2. 2 Kings chapter number 2. I love uh, this passage of Scripture because it puts things in proper perspective. In 2 Kings chapter 2, we come to understand that God wants to use us and He wants to equip us. And in an Old Testament setting and then in a New Testament application, we see that this is by His grace and for His glory. Everything that God does in this world, He wants to do through vessels like you and me. Uh, it's the first uh, Corinthians chapter 1 uh, situation. It's that model. God hath not chosen the, the mighty things. He's not chosen the wise things. He's chosen the foolish things of this world. Amen. He's chosen you and He's chosen me. And He does that to confound the critics so that they can't come up with any other conclusion that God did this. God, God took this little child. God took this, this uh, backwoods person. God took this person with all the disadvantages coming out of the bad situation and God raised him up. Listen, there is... No telling. There's no limit to what God can do. If someone will yield himself or herself to his service and will give themselves unreservedly, there is no limit to what God can do with a sold-out person. I want to be that sold-out person. How about you? Amen. Let's read about another one right now in 2 Kings and chapter 2. And it says in verse 1, And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by whirlwind, not even his name declares that he is property of God. He belongs to God, all right, the true God. When, uh, when the Lord would take Elijah up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha. Now, Elisha is a young man he is mentoring. Uh, and so Elisha is the protege. Elijah 
is the mentor. We find this all through Scripture. We find that you've got, uh, uh, we've got um, Moses and Joshua. And we've got Elijah and Elisha. And uh, we've got uh, so many others as we see Paul and Titus and Paul and Timothy. All right, so Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. The thing about being mentored, you can't just do this online. You've got to be up close and personal. You need to, you need to be able to experience uh, the full uh, personal uh, relationship that you have between mentor and protege. This can't just be done online. Now, there's a lot of things you can do online, but uh, uh, you can meet your future spouse online. You can, uh, you can get an education online. Uh, you, can, uh, you can talk to the grandkids or grandparents uh, uh, using the miracle of electronics, but you cannot do an adequate job of mentoring online. Those that are trying to do it in mass, trying to do it uh, as if it is uh, uh, teaching out of a book, are missing the, the most important quality, and that is what's different between mentoring and teaching Mentoring and training, mentoring and coaching, mentoring and uh, uh, any other human relationship is in mentoring, you start where that protege is and you work from there. You measure the distance between the protege in each uh, area of his or her life and you see how far they've got to go and that's what you do on a gradual, uh, continuous basis until they come into conformity with the, the ideal of Scripture and with the, with the perfect will of God. That's how you mentor people. So sometimes you start to mentor someone, you find out they've almost got it together financially, but they're sure messed up uh, in their marriage. Or they've got their marriage together and they're messed up in their finances. Uh, you find out that uh, they need some help in, in the area of Bible study and retention of Scripture principles and uh, maybe, maybe conveying it. Maybe they're not great at teaching it. And so you work and you take baby steps and then larger steps and, and you begin to crawl and then, you, and then you walk and then you run. And, that's how, and you stay with them how long? Until the job is done. Until they're ready. That's mentoring a protege. And so Elijah and Elisha are nearing the end of this up-close and personal relationship that they have. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. You see, he, he wanted some more. Sometimes there is a tendency for us to want more than what we're going to be able to get from the influence of another person. But we still want it. We still desire it. We'd like to go on learning. You remember when uh, the demoniac of Gadara was released from that, that horrible, horrible um, uh, demonic oppression that he had from the legion of demons. And what did he immediately want to do? He wanted to stay at Jesus' feet and worship him. And Jesus said, what? No, get, get out of here. Go home. Go home and tell them what the Lord has done for you. You see, there are certain responsibilities that we have uh, when... When uh, Peter and James and John were with Jesus up on the mountain, there was the transfiguration. Uh, Peter had, had a humanistic idea. It was Peter at his worst. He was just expressing himself. At least he was honest. He said, let's, let's build three tabernacles here, one for you, Lord, and one for the two others. 
And uh, that was a bad idea because Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we don't build tabernacles to other heroes, even though uh, we, we would like to. But that's, that's a good reason not to. It, it's, uh, it's the Lord's church. It's the Lord's build. It's Lord's work. And uh, not somebody else's just because we hold them in high estimation. Uh, there are so many, so many uh, churches and, and uh, additions and buildings around the country that are named after people. I like the policy of waiting until somebody's dead before you name something uh, after them because you never know what's going to happen next. And so when I was on campus at uh, Midwestern Baptist College some years ago, I was there to speak uh, for Dr. Malone in the great Emmanuel Baptist Church in Pontiac, Michigan. And we were taken from building, but they had the, they had the, the John R. Rice building. It was, I think, a dormitory. They, they had the B.R. Lakin Auditorium or building or whatever it was. Two giants of the faith. They've all gone on to be with the Lord, Dr. Malone as well. But um, it's a good idea to wait till somebody has already gone on before you name something after them. I think that's a good idea. Um, Unless they're going to pay for the whole building, then it doesn't matter. It's okay. You know, call it whatever. You want to pay for a new building, that's all right. Okay, so here we have Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah's saying, Terry, here. He's saying, I'm, I'm giving you instructions. Now, these are kind of closing instructions. You tarry here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. So more important than Staying where the mentor told the protege to stay was that the protege wanted to be with the mentor. And that's good. Get everything you can. Uh, every week I try to get something from, many of them are dead, that have written books, that have preached great messages. I try to get something. I don't want to be them. Just like I've told all those, I've got some Timothys across the country and I've said, worst thing you could ever do is be a, a, a little me. I don't want you to be a, a clone of me. I, I want to stir your spirit and urge and encourage you and build you up and help you to be the best spirit-filled you that you can be. I don't want you to be me. This world doesn't need any more me's. They, they need you to be who God wants you to be. So he's going with them because he wants to be around him. And this is the key. Uh, the biggest part about mentoring and bringing folks along is the impression, the influence that we have by our presence. Anybody can say anything they want to. They can teach anything. They can write it in a book. Uh, they can profess it, but that doesn't mean it's so. Living it, that's the key. That's the key. I watched my dad on the job in the ministry for uh, most of his 60 years of preaching and leading in ministry. And um, I have to say, he's the most consistent preacher I ever saw in my life. Uh, the most loving, caring preacher I ever saw in my life. He was imperfect. He was not, he was not sinless. Uh, he had his flaws. I can't think of too many of them. I don't want to, but I don't think of too many of them. But I've learned a lot from him, and I, I'm, I'm not worthy uh, to polish his shoes, uh, let alone fill them. But my wife says I look like him and walk like him and sometimes uh, can be mistaken for him. But uh, I'm, I'm glad to have known my father because being around him had, had an impact on me. I've preached a lot of messages, but living them is the best one. Your kids need to see you live the message. Honesty, integrity, transparency, simplicity, basic Christianity, kindness. Kindness will go a long way. Long-suffering, 
long-suffering. Uh, many times I'll have my Timothys call me up and they'll say, got this situation in the church, we've got to discipline this person, whoever it is. And I listen to this story and I give them advice, don't I, sweetie? I get phone calls all the time. And I always tell them this, don't I, sweetie? I say, how you do this is as important as what you do. Because the rest of the congregation is going to be watching you do this. And you've got to be Jesus. You've got, to, you've got to show the love, the compassion, the caring of Jesus. When you correct, you've got to correct with a view towards fixing, helping, lifting. Don't beat them down. The reason that there is a Jude 22 ministry today with Gabe, and even a Gabe Rivera in the ministry is because so few people were willing to even give them an opportunity to come clean, get right with God, and do something to help others in the same fix that he was in. There's a Jude 22 ministry because there's a need for one. Very few people are going to give anybody a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. And I'm very thankful that we have the opportunity to live out Jesus Christ, not only by what we do, but how we do it. Elisha wanted to see, he wanted to get every bit of Elijah in his life that he possibly could. So all you Elishas out there, get every bit of Elijah in that you can. Get, get as much, let it rub off in you, let it be a part of you. Don't be a clone, but be influenced, be directed, be helped, be, be lifted up. Amen. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Now, if we know Jesus is coming. We know that we're going to be leaving this world. We know that. We know that one day we'll, we'll die if Jesus doesn't come first. We know that we're going to be laid to rest. We know that the end of our journey is going to come. But we need to make the most out of every, out of every inch, every foot, every, every yard that we're going to tread between now and the end. We need to make the most of every moment and every experience. Now, even to the very final moment when Elisha loses his gravitation and he takes off into, into the air and he's out of here, he's teaching by his example, every moment. Dottie Rambo went to be with Jesus in a bus wreck a number of years ago. Uh, used to talk about when she was going to be dying. She could picture it. She didn't die the way she thought. She had been through a lot of pain, and she thought that she might be bedridden. And she said, and if I'm dying, lift up, lift up my, my, my feeble hands. She wanted to go out shouting. She wanted to go out praising God. And that's it. Man, I, I, I hope that I've got enough strength. <clears throat> Thanks for the offer of the cough drop. Didn't need it. But I want to have enough strength. <clears throat> I want to be in good enough voice, sweetie, that I can go out of here, you know, and be singing, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when... We first begun. Y'all got me pictured on my deathbed now, haven't you? Wouldn't it be great to go out that way? I want to go out here shouting and singing and praising God. Amen. Every moment, 
Every moment is important. The moments that we put together that make the minutes, the, the, the hours, the days are important. So what are you going to do with your next 24 hours? What are you going to do with your time? You're going to read your Bible. You're going to pray. You're going to share Jesus. You're going to pass a tract. You're going to praise the name of Jesus. Listen, there's nothing more important than doing the work of the Lord. Uh, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than that. Nothing more important than that. And uh, once again today, uh, we had a new server at the restaurant. Got to witness and uh, give a tract and, and hopefully be a blessing. And that's it. Make every moment count. Even when you're eating at the restaurant, even when you're gassing up the vehicle, even when you're at the grocery store, make every minute count for Jesus Christ. Let's, as a church and as individuals, as a family, let's have a reputation of being, here comes that happy lady. Here comes that happy man. Okay? Maybe they say, here comes that old guy that's always smiling and passing out tracts. And, and uh, that's all right. That's okay. We need to have that kind of a record and reputation. Amen. So uh, they came and they said, don't you know that God's going to take your master away from you today? I know it. Hold your peace. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, yeah, I know it. Hold, your, hold ye your peace. It's not the right time to write a book, to, to make a series of CDs, or, um, or to, uh, you know, to hold a, a conference. That's not it. Now's the time to do the work of God, to finish strong, to finish it out. That's what Paul said. I'm ready now to be offered. I'm ready. I have, I have run my race. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Amen. We need to do that. We need to have that kind of spirit. I want to finish strong. And remember, remember this. Glorify the Lord first, all right? But take some time for people. Take some time for people. I love my wife in, in every way, but I love the fact that she takes time. And she will, she will text and she will talk with you and she will encourage you. And that's the kind of woman that God gave me. And I'm very thankful for that. And there's, there's uh, nothing wasted about it. Praise God for her. And that's what we want to be. We want to go out of here making a difference. That's, uh, that's what one individual said. Man, if there's anything I want to do, I want to make a difference. I don't want to spend any time in this location or in this job or in this church role and not make a difference. You've got a Sunday school class, a bus route. You've got a ministry for one purpose, and that alone is to glorify God and make a difference in the lives of the people that you influence. Sometimes you never know the ones that you're teaching and training. I watched very closely the missionaries and the preachers that came through my dad and mom's home where I grew up. It was a preacher's home. I had the joy and privilege of having some of the greatest evangelists, Tom, on the planet, greatest preachers out in meetings. They would eat. In those days, you didn't eat at restaurants. When you came to hold meetings, you would eat at homes. And we would host in our home. And so I'd sit right there with big eyes while John R. Rice was eating. Think of that. John Rice. And I could list the evangelists, famous evangelists that ate at our table and some of them were cut up. Some of them were just as funny 
as could be. And uh, I, I, I thank God for their memory. But I remember sitting on the front row of a vacation Bible school class. In fact, it was the year I got saved, sweetie. It was 1955. And missionary Joe Miko from Japan was there. Oh, he could preach and he could spin a yarn. He could tell a story. And I don't think it was the same day. Might have been the same day. The Wednesday I got saved in Vacation Bible School, June the 17th, 1955. But Joe Miko was there, I believe, that year. And he was telling the story. And he was saying when he was a little boy, he was sitting on the front row. And, and whoever the speaker was, they came up and he walked right up to me. And he grabbed me by my shirt right here and pulled me up. And there I am kind of dangling and thick because Joe Meekle was a big old guy. He looked like a wrestler. And he was holding me up there. A little five-year-old going to be six years of age holding me up. I was scared to death. I didn't know what he was going to do, if he was going to squeeze me or if he was going to drop me or what he was going to body slam me or what he was going to do. He was holding me up there. And then he put me down in the chair. And he said, and the man, and he was talking about when he was picked up or when he was grabbed. And he says, and the man had torn my shirt and it was the only good shirt I had. And the man said, I'm sorry. And he kind of patted me there like where the tear would have been. You talk about a storyteller. I had it. I've never forgotten Joe Miko. I, I never forgot the former uh, Al Capone gang member who had been saved, who was an evangelist. Never forget him when he spoke. I'll never forget. I just go down the list. And those men made an impression on me. Now, some kid may say, hey, I've got, I've got Xbox this, or I've, I've got this, and they got their little trophy games, they got their trophy experiences, they went here, or somebody, you know, signed their autograph. But I had some preachers and some evangelists and missionaries who made such an impression on me, I will never be the same. And when I see them in glory, I'm going to say, Joe Miko, at the moment, I was scared to death, but I'm glad you picked me up and put me down. You had my rapt attention. And I'm not for sure. Maybe the Lord, maybe the recording angel can straighten us out. Was that the day or the, that was the week I got saved, wasn't it? Amen. Amen. Those missionaries I talked about this morning at camp, I was just a young junior high boy. What was Colleen's first name? Do you remember... Brother Colleen? Terry was one of the Colleen boys. Okay. I forget his first name, but he was missionary to Brazil. Talked to him recently after, after your mom passed. He had been in town. He had to leave town. He couldn't come to the, the funeral. He had to get out of town. But um, I talked to him, and I thanked him. He was one of the speakers the year I got called to preach. Back in the early 1960s, I got called to preach at camp. And Colleen from Brazil, and Swinborn from Africa. Oh, man, the stories they could 